Well, hi there, and welcome to episode 11 of Breakfast with an Alcoholic. My name is Randall. I'm your host and also an alcoholic, and I have a treat for you today. And it's not just the pancakes at Gracie's Corner Diner. My breakfast with Alice was fantastic. She's got 35 years of sobriety and a completely infectious enthusiasm for Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, even if you're not an alcoholic, you might want to try sobriety after you listen to her. As always, we do know it is Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's cool if you tell your friends about us. And if you were to share this or like this, well, right back at you. Anyway, this is a great breakfast, so pour yourself a cup of coffee and join us. Hey, Alice. Welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I am uh, a New Yorker, born and raised in New York, and uh, been sober 35 years, and life is incredible. That's pretty amazing. So how did you start drinking? You know, I, um, I grew up in a house where there was a lot of alcohol, and so I had my first drink at four years old. I was alone with my mom and she's drinking a can of Schaefer beer and I asked if I could have some and she thought it was cute and so um, she gave me some and then left me alone with the can. So I finished it. Um, at four? <laughs> at four years old. You have just established the record on Breakfast with an Alcoholic <laughs> for the earliest first drink. Well let me just, let me sweeten the pie for you. I started drinking scotch when I was eight years old. Seemed like a good idea. So eight-year-old you yes. thought drinking scotch was a good idea because... You know, the most powerful person in my world is my mother. She had a lot of power. And she seemed to need it, and it seemed to be the answer to her problems. And I thought if it worked for her, maybe it would work for me. So do you remember the first drink of scotch you had? I do. Um, we lived in this swank doorman building on the Upper West Side and the people who lived right above us were family friends and so when my mother would run out of scotch, J&B, Doors White Label, I would go upstairs with a water glass and at some point coming down the steps I thought, oh my. let's try this. Um, and in fact it worked. Alcohol really is the cure for alcoholism until it stopped working. I never remember disliking the taste of alcohol. A lot of people will talk about it was nasty and the burn and I was suffering through it. I always absolutely loved alcohol, particularly the brass. Um, I love the taste, I love the smell, I love the feel. I loved alcohol, it was probably, uh, not probably, Alcohol was my first love. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that. We're, we're still getting over each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad breakup, man. But life on the other side is extraordinary. So you have that first drink, then it becomes a thing. Yeah, it becomes a thing. And I'm not drinking daily in the third grade, because that's the grade you're in at eight. But by the time I'm 13, I'm drinking pretty regularly. I'm in the eighth grade. Um, you know, bars in New York City close at four. Um, I had friends that were two years older than me, and so we would wait until our parents went to sleep, and we'd get up and get dressed and leave the house at one o'clock in the morning and go hit the bars and stay until they closed at four, get home before anybody was the wiser. And we did that for years. And you're eighth graders. Yeah, we're eighth, well, some of them were ninth and 10th graders, but I was an eighth grader. Like, does it get worse from there? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 it gets worse. I mean, if you have your first drink at four and you switch to scotch at eight, 
by the time I came into Alcoholics Anonymous at 26, man, it was, uh, you know, my soul was on fire, right? And, and all of the things that happen to us that bring us into Alcoholics Anonymous, nobody comes on a good day, right? Nobody comes into Alcoholics Anonymous on the wings of victory. Like, we get here and we're pretty beat up, right? We've lost jobs. We've got bad relationships with our family. And we feel horrible. So what exactly brought you in? You know, I was in a bad relationship because my strategy in drinking was to seek lower companionship, right? Like if I can hang out with people who were doing worse than me, I could convince myself that it wasn't that bad, right? And that's one of the things, one of the gifts of sobriety is that if you stick around and you really do the work as outlined in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you learn to come out of the delusion, to stop lying to yourself. Right. And so the lie I told myself was, you know, yeah, things weren't swinging my way, but at least I wasn't as bad as Janice. Man, look at Janice. Um, and I just, <laughs> I just you there's know, always a Janice, too. There's always a Janice, right? And so I was in this relationship that wasn't going well. Um, I'm not the kind of person that, I'm not the first kid you're going to pick on at the playground. I get that sense. I'm not that kid. And I was in a relationship with somebody that punched me in the face. And I was like, well, this isn't the life I had planned. And so I went to therapy and to Al-Anon. And the therapist suggested that I not drink for 90 days. And thank God the therapist didn't tell me that I was an alcoholic, right? I probably would never have gone back to her. But she said, don't drink for 90 days. And if you drink, it's okay. Like, just start the count all over. And then here's the kicker, ready? Pay attention to how long it takes. Wow, that was tough. It just took a long time for me to get that first 90 day. If you're drunk, especially 26, right? Nobody could tell me I was a drunk. I had to see it for myself. No, that's exactly right. I mean, and that's why in the book, you know, Bill writes over and over again about, you know, attraction rather than promotion. And it's for exactly that reason. Like, you can't make people do this. It, you know, the, the, the first guy that I found in Alcoholics Anonymous really was the gift of desperation. Yeah. It really was. I was desperate enough to look at things that I previously had dismissed offhand. Like, maybe you have a problem with alcohol. Um, and I got desperate enough. I was in enough spiritual pain. Um, my financial life, my interpersonal relationships were um, mangled enough that I was like, well, maybe. Let's look at this. When do you think you realized, hey, I'm an alcoholic? My sober date is May 21st, 1987. And no one is more shocked about that than me. But, you know, I got here and I didn't think this was for me. You know, I'm, I'm a black woman, right? And I was a young black woman. And, and I get here and it doesn't look like my tribe. And, and there's some things that I got that are gifts that are surprises to me still in Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the profound knowledge that we're all souls. We're just encased in these bodies. And the bodies don't matter nearly as much as the soul. And so I start really listening and comparing how I felt. And so if you're new and you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I don't think I have a drinking problem, you know, uh, you know, I went to this meeting and this woman said, if you're an alcoholic, you shouldn't drink. Made perfect sense to me, right? And then she quickly followed it up with, and if you're not an alcoholic, then not drinking 
should be easy. And that was the thing that separated me from the delusion. It wasn't easy for me not to drink. I mean, I could stop. I just couldn't stay stopped. There was always a reason to drink. There was a party. There was a wedding. There was company. There was dinner. And it was at a some nice point, day. It was raining. Exactly. But I, my relationship was going well. It wasn't going well. So, so when you came in, did you start right away with the big book? How did? You know, when I got here in 1987, people weren't really like, "Oh, let's read the book." Yeah. People were really reading the 12 and 12, and um, there were a lot of speaker discussion meetings. But the thing that saved me was old timers took me aside very early in, I think my first 90 days, and told me that people who did hospital and institution work never relapsed. So I started doing hospital and institution work, and it made the difference for me, working with people who were brand new all the time. Um, You know, I took meetings into every women's treatment facility in the area that I lived in. You know, I've heard other people describe similar journeys, and it's, you know, you come to the realization yourself, and you do some of the work on yourself, but then in helping others is where you really, it's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I, I didn't come to stop drinking. I mean, I want to be honest, I came to stop the consequences. I just needed the pain to stop, right? And then I was like, oh, shoot, this is a stop drinking program. These people are talking about one day at a time. It's a trick. They mean forever. And then I was here for a while, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's not about not drinking. The book says drinking it's just a symptom. This is a program about finding God. It's about living right so that I can be useful to God. It really is a program of service. What do you think about Zoom meetings? Like it's simply another way to carry the message. My home group is the Bronx Big Book Study. We meet every night, Eastern Time, 9 p.m. 250 people every night. The primary purpose of every group is to carry the message, right? And I can't think of a better example than coming up with a way for people to be able to find a meeting 24 hours a day, no matter where they are. And I also, you know, it's not easy to go walk into your first meeting. Right. In some dingy church basement with, come on, let's say it, bad coffee and cheap cookies. I think you're describing a 79th Street workshop. Music. Are there any songs, music that has particular meaning to you in recovery? Things that you really like? It's interesting because I listen to kind of everything except rock, right? And I was raised by a woman who grew up in the Depression. So I got raised on jazz and soul. So my real heart is with Sam Cooke, right? And Dinah Washington and Billie Holiday and, oh my God, early Lou Rawls and Right, Ray Charles, and my so my favorite song of all time is "I Wish You Love." Now, don't get me wrong; I love Cardi, and I want to sing WAP, but I um my soul really is with the the old jazz standards. I, I listen to a lot of jazz too. I will tell you, I think there is no sadder album, more poignant album than Miles Davis. Someday, my prince will come. And I have always been drawn to the blues because I have the blues and having the blues doesn't mean I'm blue or I'm unhappy it means I can relate deeply to the pain and it turns out that the pain and suffering that has been true in my life is my greatest asset it's the juxtaposition 
of the sunlight to the darkness that makes the sunlight so magnificent. In Alcoholics Anonymous, interestingly enough, what people really relate to is our suffering. That when I can explain my suffering, you know that I know you. And then when I tell you I have a solution and a way out and my life is full of joy, then you think, well, maybe there's hope for me. And so I, I never turn away from the blues. What's the hardest lesson you've learned in sobriety? You know, that's such a great question because the hardest lesson is the greatest gift. Yeah, and here it is. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. The problem's me. <laughs> there it is. Anytime I'm disturbed, the problem's me. Anytime I'm unhappy, the problem's me. Anytime I'm in conflict, the problem is that's a hard lesson because we have a false sense of comfort when we can blame someone else. The problem with that is that there's no solution when the problem is someone else. And today I understand it to mean that anytime I'm turning outside, for a solution, for joy, for comfort. I'm already, I've already lost the deal, because like, I'm already sunk. That the only real access to joy and happiness is inside of me. I have to turn in to the power that's inside of me, that power to the divine. And so it's the hardest lesson, but it's also the greatest lesson. All right, are you ready for the alcoholic lightning round? Woo, let's go. I do like to disclose that I once was a practicing trial lawyer, so just... Let's do this. All right. I, I like the confidence. I like the confidence. We're going to put 30 seconds on the clock. Okay. Do you know any magic tricks? No. A superpower if you had one? Mm, mind reading. A song that you listen to a lot and were previously embarrassed to tell people about. You know, I have to go back to WAP on this one. Like, I love WAP. <laughs> Three words people would use to describe you. Passionate, generous, tough. One day, they're going to make a movie, Breakfast with an Alcoholic. And you'll, of course, be in that movie. Who do you think should play you? Beyonce should play me. Are you more afraid of the Terminator movies coming true or the Planet of the Apes movies coming true? I'm more afraid of the Terminator movie coming true. That's a great answer. You killed it, and thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, that's another episode of Breakfast with an Alcoholic, and I hope you enjoyed it. In fact, I hope you enjoyed it so much that you subscribe. And to make that easy, I put a button down there. You can just push it and make it happen. Go ahead, I'll wait. <laughs> cool. When you subscribe, you get the daily gratitude list, future episodes of Breakfast with an Alcoholic, the liner notes, the official discography for Breakfast with an Alcoholic, and so much more. The really great news? You can subscribe today for free. I mean, you're probably going to also be able to subscribe tomorrow for free, but wouldn't today be better? Also, I know it's Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's totally cool if you want to tell your friends about us. It's thanks, F-L-M-S, thanks for letting me share on Instagram and Twitter. So subscribe, like, share, follow, and I'll be very grateful. On a serious note, if you need help or want to learn more, 
nyintergroup.org has a complete listing of AA resources in New York, and there's an intergroup site for every state and a lot of countries. If you want to ask us, we'll try to point you in the right direction too. So that's it. You can look forward to the liner notes for this episode soon, and I'm already looking forward to the next breakfast with an alcoholic, and not just because there are likely to be pancakes involved. Until then, be well, stay groovy, go to a meeting, and call your sponsor. Thanks for letting me share.